Okay, that's good. Good morning. Joel says uh, there will be wonders in the heavens and on the earth. We have never seen the fulfillment of Joel yet. You might say, oh, well, what about Pentecost? Pentecost was not the fulfillment of Joel. It was like the days of Joel. We have still to come into the fullness of the prophecy of Joel. Uh, I'm looking forward to that immensely. You see, Pentecost was one of the early harvests. It wasn't the full harvest. And we are aiming now to order the full harvest. Amen. Come on, folks. I want you to get excited this morning that we are heading towards the full harvest. Where we'll see what Joel wrote in his prophecy come to pass in every detail. The Spirit of God on all flesh. We're going to see wonders in the heaven and wonders on the earth. And I believe that uh, we are entering into a new season. We've said that before, but I believe that the, 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 the things that have taken place in Great Britain over these past few days indicates something new. The old is gone and the new is coming. And I'm going to start a new series this morning uh, that I've never ever spoke on before. So you guys are the guinea pigs. Uh, and it's, it's going to be a series that I'm, I'm praying will last through the winter. And it'll, it'll be an online series. I'm hoping to put this online on uh, uh, the YouTube channel that I, that, that I have. And it's... Uh, it's about you. Isn't God good? He brings you at the right time to the right message for the people of God. I was called as a preacher. I'm not a teacher, although I can teach. I was called as a preacher as a 40-year-old boy in short trousers doing my papers with a paper bag over my shoulder short trousers, walking up towards the house on a wee hill in Bones, a braise we would call it, a wee braise in Bones. And the Holy Spirit stopped me, a, a, a guy who was not 15, and gave me the, the pattern of my life. Why would God, of all the universe, of all creation, Stop an insignificant wee boy in short trousers and call him to be a preacher. You're not going to be <laughs> and I remember saying to God, you know what you've got to do. You've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. You, I said, you know what you've got to do. Because at that age, at 14, 15, 1959 it was. Towards the end of 1959, because I was 15 in March 1960. 
remember saying to the Lord, you know what you've got to do? And my answer is yes. Because I had been at Bible study since the age of about 10. And I knew that God was, was going to do something in my life. Came to know the Lord when I was nine years old, 54, 1954. I think it's only David and Peril maybe that were, that were, I, I don't know about that. No, no, you're too young. <laughs> 1954. The 26th of January. You're in for an hour, boy. <laughs> 1954. A winter night. And I bowed the knee to Jesus Christ as my Saviour and my Lord. But I had a terrible stammer. School to me was an embarrassment. And the teachers always picked on you. Because the class got a laugh. And I could, I, I, I was so embarrassed. So I said to the Lord, well, yeah, but you know what you've got to do? Nobody's going to come and hear a 15-minute uh, sermon that takes half an hour. And folk want to put the words in when you kind of get them out. And if anyone's got a stamina here, I'm not made a fool of you. And I was asked to share a full gospel meeting one night in 1961. 61 years ago. And I stood up on that platform. And I had a stammer. It had gone. See, when God calls, God equips. And I think we're in a new season. And I think that new season starts here. This morning. A new king. Yesterday. Well, on, on Thursday. A new king being declared is being declared now. It was being declared at 10 o'clock this morning, officially. A new Prime Minister, please pay for this trust. She never knew 60 hours ago or 72 hours ago what her Premiership was going to start like. So I want you to pray for this trust because I believe it's our prayers, as Bill was saying, that shapes governments. We need to start believing that. We need to start believing that we can shape governments. And we can shape kingdoms. We can shape town councils. You guys can shape the direction that Glasgow goes in. We're going to touch a bit about that this morning. But I want to thank you over these months for your prayers. Ruth and I have been through quite a bit, as you know, losing a stepdaughter or, or Ruth's daughter uh, to cancer. 45 and leaving four children. I took off from about November right through to March, April, where I was spending 18 hours a day in bed. I had no energy. If I took a shower, it was two hours in bed after the shower. If I washed my hair, that was worse. That was me for the rest of the day. 
I believe there was an there, there, there was a weakness there, but I believe also it was also spiritual. Because God was starting to lay in my heart this new message, this new way forward. As Bill and Agnes will tell you, I'm a kingdom man. <laughs> and that's not to, to, to downgrade the church. I believe the kingdom overrides the church. The church can exist without the kingdom can exist without the church, but the church cannot exist without the kingdom. <laughs> the ecclesia cannot be a governmental assembly without a kingdom to, to represent. <laughs> but we've got so wrapped up in church and what we've been teaching so often, and this is not running down anything anybody, but we've been teaching so much in our churches how to become good church members that we forgot that we're, we're citizens of the kingdom. We are. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And my new, new message is this. Raising up a believing kindness generation. And we'll come to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 12. But I just want to make one or two statements that I think we've, in general we've lost. That the kingdom of God's agenda is God's blueprint of how our lives should be lived. Not the rule book of denominationalism, but the blueprint is God's agenda in his kingdom, realm and reign. See, I hear people say that there's no difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. They're just the same thing. They're not. The kingdom of God is the authority of the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is the realm of the kingdom. Two different things. One's the authority. But if you've got to have authority, you've got to have a realm. And so the kingdom of God is the authority of the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is the realm over which God reigns. And praise God this morning, you and I are citizens. Yeah. I want you to start believing that this morning. That we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom agenda is God's blueprint of how our life is to be lived. It is something that needs to be constant in our thinking. You see, we're a bit fickle. <laughs> There's something that grips us one day and we forgot about it the next day. But see, we've got to start believing every moment of every day that we are citizens in the kingdom of God. And as we come down to what we're going to be saying, we've got to start believing that we are sons of the living God. Not the son, but we are sons of God. And I, I, I'm excited to get to the, to the next part, but I want to lay a foundation because I want to go into this new creation because that's the foundation of this new thing. And what we seek to believe. And see, if the kingdom is at the forefront of our thinking, it, it, it shapes how we make decisions. It shapes how we live our lives. It shapes who we are within the ecclesia. It shapes who we are as husbands and wives. 
And I'm just going to have a wee special word here. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it really shapes everything about our life. If the constant in our life is a kingdom. Because that song we sing about the King of Glory, that's, that's who we serve. That's our, our King. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. King of kings, Lord of lords. And every day you give me breath, I'll sing your praises. And I will praise you throughout the ages. Of eternity. Folks, salvation is not a ticket to heaven. Salvation brings you into a kingdom, not a church. Where we want those who are saved to come into the church to be part of the ecclesia. But the Bible states clearly that we are brought into a kingdom. We have been rescued, amen. I love that word. We have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. And we've been, we've been conveyed legally. <laughs> it's like when you sell your house, the ownership changes. That's the thought behind that word conveyed. We are legally conveyed, transferred. The, the old owner of the house has no legal right on the house. Once we sign these missives, the old, the old owner has no rights in that house. Because we have been legally conveyed. And the missives have been signed. That we have been transformed, transferred, whatever word you want to use, conveyed into the kingdom of the son who God loves. I wish we could get this into the very heart of our being. Because we live lives still believing that the old owner is able to take charge of some of your lives. How would you feel if you sold a house, you signed the business and you moved in, and three days later, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh still in tune. <laughs> But how would you feel three days later after you moved into your house the old owner came and tried to tell you how to put the furniture? <laughs> but you see, that's how Christians live. They allow the old owner to come back and touch the house. Shake the house. Control what you do. And we need to break that this morning. We, used to, we need to break that in our lives this morning. That he has no more control. Come on. He has no more control. We are legally sons of God. We are legally citizens of heaven. We need to get this into the, the very fabric of our being. And we're going to touch on that as we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. But I just want to do things 
I want to see. Because we do not put the kingdom at the center of our living. Our lives become segmented. Compart compartmentalized. That's a big word. <laughs> Families disintegrate because they exist for their own fulfillment rather than for the kingdom of God. Churches are having limited impact. We know that. We're not, we're not running anybody down, but we're just looking in general at the impact that the ecclesia should be having on, on our nation. And our churches are having limited impact on society because they fail to understand that the goal of the church is not the church. The goal of the church is the kingdom. Come on, folks. This is, needs to be in our fabric of our breathing. The kingdom should be a part of our breath so that we rise in the morning believing that we are in a different realm. Yeah. I think his name is Justin Abraham. I don't know if you know him. He's, he's got a book called Beyond Human. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the few books I've ever read from cover to cover when I was ill. And it impacted me. It impacted me greatly. Uh, I think he's down in Wales. Uh, his book's not called Justin, it's called, it's called something like John, I think he's called, I'm not sure. His book hasn't got Justin on the, on the cover, but that's who he is. Folks, I'm, I'm putting a call out this morning. And I'm not only putting a call out to this company here, I'm putting a call out to the nation. Because this will be heard across the nation. It is time for believers to live by God's kingdom agenda. Simple declaration. I am the kings. Amen. And I want his kingdom. See, if his kingdom has got to be seen on earth, it's got to be seen in you. <laughs> it's got to be seen in me. When we pray, our Father which has in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We're actually praying for our own lives. We've had a different outlook when we've prayed that. We've thought about all what's happening in the nations around the world. God, your kingdom needs to come. When we're praying that prayer, when Jesus asked the disciples to pray that prayer, they were praying that they themselves might be the recipients of all the blessings of the kingdom. Amen. We need to start praying subjectively. The last hymn of our, uh, 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 the last verse of our hymn. Where, where are we asking revival to start? To start at us. So we need to start praying subjectively that we become the subjects. Or the answer to the prayer that we're praying. And I'll tell you, that will make a big difference.
probably make a huge difference. It's interesting in John and uh, uh, Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus is going round all the towns and villages and healing all the sick and those that were oppressed by the devil. And he, he spoke about the harvest that was ripe, ready to be harvested, ready to be plucked, but the reapers were few. And because we have got chapters and verses in our Bible, we stop there. But the very next verse, the very next chapter says, and he called them and he sent them. So we're saying that that's the situation. But don't ask God to send somebody else. Ask God to send you. Ask God to send you. And so it's time for the believers to live by God's kingdom agenda. We need to realign because we have wandered off path and we're missing the mark. And I want to tell you this message is for me this morning. You're just getting, I don't know if it's a privilege, but you're getting the honour and the privilege to listen to what God is preaching to me. Because the Holy Spirit said to me a couple of weeks ago, if you're, not, if you're not prepared to live it, don't preach it. Wow. If you're not prepared to live it, don't preach it. Because for so long we've preached theory. For so long we've preached what happened in the past. And it's good to look back and see what's happened in the past. But we want God to be the God of the present. And we need to start believing and realigning ourselves away from the secular agenda to God's kingdom agenda. And that our lives become all that our king demands them. And I'm using that word purposely. All that the king demands them to be. Because if you subject yourself under the rule of the king, what he demands is your honour to obey. Wow. You'll hear it so many different so many different theories coming out of those who are religious leaders. But I want to tell you God's answer is always right. There are differences between secular and kingdom. And the problem is we'll become too secular. The hands that rule a lot of our churches are secular hands. The feel-good church factor We should have people shaking in their shoes 
where we deliver the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus never made anybody feel comfortable because he wanted to bring them to repentance. And there's so many secular accountants are in charge of church funds these days that the whole agenda is what is the bottom line. And when someone in the church has a wonderful vision from God and they bring it to the church and the first question the secular accountant says how much will it cost? We'll be stripped of vision. We'll be stripped of the freedom of the kingdom. You see, when we become kingdom citizens, we rise above all that. <laughs> Come on, folks. We rise above all that. If God gives us a word, he will fulfill his word. I think it's Jeremiah that says that God goes about the earth looking for the fulfillment of his word, I'm paraphrasing it. And God's work is at, is at work in you and in me. Satan knows the power and the authority that you have the potential to use. He knows it more than we know it. When Jesus was in the, the wilderness, Satan knew the power that Jesus had. And Jesus had the commanding power to change stones into bread. Satan acknowledged that. Satan acknowledged that Jesus, you are able to command these stones be made bread. He knew the power of command that Jesus, on this occasion, he didn't choose to use it. He chose the word of God. And it's a different, it's a different message to go and see how Jesus in the wilderness is a, is a, a the other side of the picture of the Garden of Eden. But that's another message. And Jesus said, the life that I live and the things that I've done, you can do them. <laughs> Come on. Is Jesus telling us lies? Did he just mean a certain few who had a dog collar on or, 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 or whatever they were in? Jesus was speaking to ordinary, unlearned men, as we learn in Acts chapter 3. And he looks at this motley crew who were still arguing who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. But he saw what, what would happen to them when they were anointed by the Spirit of God. And that same commanded power that Jesus has. Do you believe you've got it? Come on, do you believe you've got it? 
Do you believe you could command? Wow. Tell you, our lives would be different. Our communities would be different. Our churches would be different. Our nation would be different. If the ecclesia, the citizens of the kingdom of God, rose up and moved in this commanded power. We can command things to happen in our nation. We can command. We're off track already, but never mind. The Holy Spirit will bring us back. I want to. But I believe there is a stirring. I believe there is a global stirring. Because when we start to speak about the end times, it must be global. Because Jesus, our God, always contrasts his globalization with what the world is trying to do. And God will always win. Hallelujah. So God has a globalization program which comes in a direct conflict with the globalization of this world. You see, have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered about the ten plagues in Egypt? Have you ever, have you ever really wondered were the random plagues? Did you just get God say, oh, we'll do this and we'll do that and oh, we'll try this next and we'll try that. Do you think that's how it worked? See, the ten plagues of Israel, I'm not going to get into it today, but the ten plagues in Israel were a confrontation between the ten main gods of Egypt. Every plague that came upon Israel, there was a god had that same symbol against the name. And it's the same with globalization. The world has an agenda of globalization, but so is God. And I believe there's a stirring globally amongst the people of God. We sang a song I was with Ruth on, on Sunday. She attends the Baptist church in, in Dunfermline. And we sang that song there must be more than this. But there's a stirring globally. Doesn't matter if you're in the outback of Australia or the plains of Mongolia or wherever it is, God is causing a stirring to bring his people back under a kingdom agenda. And when men and women get caught up in a kingdom agenda, our ecclesia will change. I'm going to rephrase that that was wrong. When we come back under a kingdom agenda, the churches that made our building will change. And they'll become more like the church that Christ is building. Because there are two buildings taking place just now. That's another message. And I'm not running anything down. Please hear my heart. I love the people of God. But until they grasp a kingdom agenda, 
the church becomes their ceiling. And their church becomes a cubicle in which they try to put God in. I want to tell you, might be used to you, you can't put God in a cubicle. <laughs> you might try, <laughs> but you can't put God in a cubicle. The heavens cannot contain his glory, and yet he chooses to live in you and in me. What manner of persons ought we then should be? Come on, folks. What manner of people should we then choose to be? Hallelujah. I think a voice that's calling us there's a voice that C.S. Lewis wrote about so many, many years ago. As he said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. <laughs> Isn't that a great quote? Isn't that a great quote? And I think that that is a stunning that C.S. Lewis, Lewis wrote about I don't know how long, hundred, over a hundred years ago. I don't know when C.S. Lewis was, was alive. Was it the, the late 19th century or, or early 20th century? I'm not sure. But he wrote this about the finding desires within me that nothing in this world can satisfy. It's logical to think that I belong to another world. Friends, I want to open that world up to you this morning. I want to open up that other world to you this morning. It's mind-blowing. But we've got to believe it. It's no theory. We've got to believe it. We've got to believe it. This voice is calling us, is calling us out of ignorance into an expansive future. Come on. <laughs> There's no limit to the future of the kingdom. <laughs> you know, well, why would you be happy to live in a restricted world? When all the time you've been called into something that is expansive beyond all limitations. my breath for a minute. I believe this is God's message for a time. People say you should preach quieter. <laughs> I once got a message. I was doing a conference in Orkney when I was with Pray for Scotland. And two weeks before the conference, I got a letter from the organiser of the conference. And it says, Bert, I've been asked to write a letter to you. I knew it wasn't the girl that was writing to me. We were writing of her own volition. And she said, Bert, 
I've been asked to write to you to could you tone down the way that you preach? <laughs> I read that. I said, wow. That was quite hard. For God has made me who has made me. I'm a, a preacher. So I'm allowed to shout and do all these things and because that's what preachers do. Well, so I do anyway. <laughs> I was with a, a pastor. I'll come back to the end of that story. I was with a pastor on, on Thursday just for a, a coffee. And he said, you know, we're going to have teachers and all these things. But when a preacher comes to preach, he always brings the presence of God. Because he's preaching out there. The presence of God. My last prayer before I leave my seat to preach is always the same prayer. Holy Spirit, it's now you and me. I don't want to run ahead of you because I'll be I'll be I'll be ministering the flesh. I don't want to lag behind you because I'll miss what you're doing. Would you allow me to walk beside you as I preach listening? Directing me. So that's why I go off track at times because I believe the Holy Spirit is taking me down that road. I remember being in, in mid-year in, in, in Shetland. Now I never give details or a part of my life as a testimony because it's, it's, it's private and it's painful. But I touched a wee bit on, on mid-year in Shetland one, I think it was a Saturday night rally we had. And as I, I, st I was on that wee bit of my testimony, and I waited past on, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, stay there. Stay there a while. Okay. So I stayed there for a wee while. And brought out details that I'd never ever brought out publicly before. See, God always knows best. I ministered to the four couples who were on the verge of divorce at the end of that meeting. Imagine that. If I was so tied to what I was wanting to say, I'd have missed that. But the Holy Spirit just, He knows best. Anyway, where was I? Oh, I was getting back to John Clancy. No, I wasn't. Where was I before that? About what? The letter. In fact, I'm glad you're listening, on. I've trained you well. I think Tom would be part of what I've been doing for a number of years. And uh, the letter. So I said to myself, How? it'll not be me. And I, I was all for counselling going up. But I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, just go. Just go. I've got it all in hand. And so I wasn't the, was the first speaker that got up. I think I was the second speaker on that day at the conference. And it was a big Nigerian for London. <laughs> Are you allowed to say black, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Kiss <laughs> I'm court here. 
But he was loud. <laughs> he was African. <laughs> and my colleague just turned and looked at me and she went. <laughs> anyway, I've got my breath back. This is what Paul writes in Romans 8 and 9. This is a, a version I'd never known existed. It's called the MIR version. And I kind of get an English version of it. But what I believe it is, it's an Australian, uh, Aboriginal uh, in Australia. It's an, Abor it's an Australian Aboriginal, Aboriginal version of the Bible. And uh, But listen to this, this is what Romans 8 and verse number 29 says, We see the original and intended pattern of our lives preserved in the Son, S-O-N. He is the firstborn from the same womb that reveals our genesis or our beginning. Wow. Isn't that an amazing verse? Look it up in your, in your own Bibles uh, and see how it, uh, uh, it reads. Because sometimes these, are, these versions have got written in a, uh, in, as an idiom or, or, the, or, or the people they're trying to reach. When they're translating that verse in Psalm 22 into Japanese, uh, God inhabits the praise of his people. They didn't think the Japanese would, would understand that. So when the, the translators were writing that verse in Japanese, this is what Luther has said, that God draws up a big armchair and sits amongst his people when they're praising. I think that's great. <laughs> you know, I think that is just great. God draws up a big armchair and sits in the midst of his people as they are praising. Anyway, when we read in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, how long have I got, Bill? Have I out? I'm at the end. I've even started. When I see you starting to tap your watches, I'll know it's maybe, it's maybe time to stop. Uh, because this is a bit I want, and I, I want to end with a story. Uh, but I just want to touch the start of where this new line of teaching is going to come from. Therefore, I'm reading from the TCNT translation, which is a, a great translation. Therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new being or a new creation. That word new is kindness. K A I-N-O-S It's a very revealing word because kindness doesn't just mean new as in a replacement. We sometimes, I've got a new jacket here as my first time I had it on but it's to, it's, it's to replace another one. But this new creation that we're brought in it's not like that. That's not the gospel. Christ didn't come just to change Adam with another newer version of Adam. Although he's called 
this, the, the, the last Adam. Please notice never called the second Adam. Here's so many preachers speaking about Christ as the second Adam. He, he's never the second, because if he was the second Adam, there might be a third or fourth. He's the last Adam. Because he makes all things new. So Christ never come to just change Adam with another dual Adam with the same human nature. You know, we are used to getting upgrades on our smartphone. Aren't we? Let's know what this is. We're not plugged into a, 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 a system that just upgrades us. Jesus did not come to create a new replacement for the old fallen man. He came to destroy. And he came to end the old man and begin a brand new species. Come on, folks. He came to bring into being something that had never existed before. Wow. We have been brought into union with Christ. I wish we could capture something of the glory of that statement. You know, we just read it as words on a page. But we are now entangled with divinity. Come on. Come on, folks. Are you, are you hearing this? See if we understood this. See if we got this into your very being. See if we got this into the fabric of our lives. That you and I are entangled with divinity. And wherever Christ sits, he, are you hearing this? Wherever Christ sits, you and I sit. Because Paul tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Folks, the glory of this union <laughs> that he is not only in us but we are in him. Christ, the eternal Son of God allows us to be entangled to be to be in union stand up Stephen this is what it means <laughs> sand because our life now lives 
looking up. There's an old life as a life lived looking down. We need to change our glasses, folks. So Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 2, he tells us, this is how you once were. But God in his great love has energised us, made, made us alive. Read the old King James at this, okay? Because none of the other versions pick up this one word that's in the old King James. <laughs> because three times it uses the word together. The modern translations have dropped the together. We have been made alive together with Christ. Come on, folks. We have been seated together with Christ. We now reign together with Christ. Come on, folks. We've missed the mark. We've allowed our senses to be dulled. The old owner no longer can influence you. But yet we allow him to. We can't move forward because our past is still in our thoughts. When Paul says that you have become a new creation, he says the old has gone. What does that mean? So we no longer got legal right over you. No longer got control over you. Unless you allowed the old order to come in. And replace your furniture. And in that analogy, you would never allow that. So why would you allow the old order for your body to come in and still control your mind, your actions? That thing that still keeps bringing you down. Because this morning I want you to draw a line in the sand. I want you to I want you to literally do it. That I'm going to draw this line in the sand that no longer has the past got any control on my life, on my mind, on my actions, or anything. And no longer will my eyes be turned downwards. But I have been made a new creation. And my eyes are upwards because I now belong to another world. <laughs> Hallelujah. I now belong to another world. A world that is limitless. A world that is so expansive. A world that you and I are asked to come into boldly. Because we're in union with Christ. As the, as the winter months come on, I hope to develop that union. Because if we could capture the glory that has been bestowed upon us, because of that union, 
you and I would be completely different. Every moment of every day. See, I don't know if you've, I use, uh, I, I use these sword as my, as, as, as my, my computer Bible study tool. I've always used these sword. I think it's one of the, the best Bible programs uh, around. All of my opinion, but uh, I've used it for for years. And one of the, the dictionaries is Thayer's, T-H-A-Y-E-R. You've got Strong's, you've got Thayer's, you've got Brown and Briggs or something. You've got a whole list of, of things that you can look up. But this is what Thayer's says about kindness. It's a new kind. But one of the words he uses is this. Unprecedented. It means this. That it's unprecedented. It means without previous existence. <laughs> Come on. This is what Christ has done for us. <laughs> we belong to a brand new species. It takes us beyond the limitations of earth. It takes us beyond earth globalization program and become be part of heaven's globalization program. Amen. And when we're in the heavenly realms, we're not there as spectators, but we're administrators, we're senators. We're the ones who command what happens in our nation. Hold church eyes. Get a kingdom perspective. Thea says it's unexampled. The only example of this life, but it's more an example. The only demonstration of this life is the life of Christ. So he's not an example to, as to how we live. He's demonstrating how we live. So everything that Christ commanded, everything that Christ said, every miracle that Christ did, every word that he spoke from the Father is passed on to you and to me. Why would you want to be tied up with the world? This is a real... <laughs> Maybe we to make the humble. <laughs> 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 and you got always speaks to you when I'm preaching. <laughs> I want to tell you. should be that the world has never seen anybody like you or like me this is higher <laughs> did you hear that? doesn't matter who you meet in the office who you sit next to in the train who you go out for a meal with 
You're not the same as them. You're different. And they should see you. I'm going to rephrase that. They should feel you as different. They should sense an aura of divine on you. Have we missed the mark? Yeah. I think I've missed the mark by a long chalk. But I think this is a day of new beginnings. Drawing a line in the sand and believing that you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. And you now belong to a different species that has never been seen on the earth until Christ came and we were in union with him. Imagine being in union with the loving Son of God. I think that was a powerful illustration with Stephen. That's how we need to start thinking every day. We need to come this morning, I believe, in repentance that we're misliving the fullness of this life. That we've allowed worry and fear and all these things to come into our life that has hindered us. I've had a lot more to say, but I'm going to just bring it to a close with a story. Then we'll be okay if we do some ministry, if there's any ministry, because I think God's moved amongst us this morning. And I think God wants to touch our lives this morning. If I ever come back, I'll, I can finish that, that, that story. Because there's so much more about the deity of God and that, and it's the same womb and all that. But uh, time is, is against us. I want to just come to the end of my story. I want to tell you a story about Edward III way back in the, the ages long before we were born. Where Edward III, I want to hear this story, okay? I want to hear what the story is all about. But when Edward III came to power, whatever year it was, I've got it down here, but I've not got it at the bit of it. Edward the Edward army was a laughing stock of Europe. Great analogy here. <laughs> Edward II had made a fool out of, of, of his army. And Edward III came to the throne. A young man. But he determined that the army or the kingdom would become the strongest army that England had ever known. You can take the analogy as we go through the story. I'm not going to, because that's not the bit I want to come to. But there is a great analogy here. He discovered that the strongest weapon that he could put in his, his armed forces was a longbow. It said that it exerted over 200 pounds of pressure. The others were three feet long. And what was on the front of them could pierce anything that was known at that time on the opposing army. So he cancelled all sport, cancelled everything that was that, that men did in, in their free time, 
And he passed a law that every hour that they were free, they had to practice the longbow. So that his army could become the strongest army in the known world in Europe at that time. So one young warrior, he decided he would practice it on the side of a barn. And a neighbour watched him and he, every day he was out. So he came and said, how, how do you come so very proficient in your longbow? He said, because he says, although your arrows are all over the side of the barn, every one of them has hit a target. They're in the centre of the target. He said, you must be just so, so proficient. And he said, well, it's easy. He says, well, I'll show you. So he showed the man, he shot off 20 arrows, one after the other. And they all landed different places. There was none of them in the same place. And then he picked up a pot of paint. And he went to every arrow and he painted the bullseye. <laughs> I want to tell you, we're very good at painting. We are very good at making ourselves believe that we're on mark. You see where I'm going? We're very good at believing that we're at the centre. And God said, you Mr. Mark. Yeah. I just feel we need to lead, we need to lead on the paintbrushes, mother. And face reality. Because if King Edward had went to war with, with warriors like that, they would never have won the kingdom. So what sort of warrior are you? And what sort of water am I? Do I think that we're armed by self-assessment? And we paint the rules, I, this is me, I've made it. But all the time the king said, you've not made it. Folks, are you been painting? the bullseye around your life believing that you're in the centre of where God wants you to be when all the time you've missed this mark of being citizens of the kingdom entangled with divinity moving to a kingdom that's so limitless and expansive living the life in union with Christ well we're happy just to stay where we are Believing that we can paint the target ourselves and think we're all right. That's a challenge. And that's a challenge I want to end on this morning because that's not who you are. You don't have to be painting the target around about yourself. You and I are able, by the Holy Spirit, right to be at the centre of God's kingdom agenda commanding commanding
commanding things to take place in our own lives, in our family's lives, in our nation's lives, because we have been given, because of that entanglement with divinity, union with Christ, we are able to do these same things that he does, is doing. So what are you doing this morning? I think you should paint a line, draw a line in the sand this morning and say no longer am I going to paint a target that makes me think that I'm, I'm it, that I've reached it. But all the time deep down you know you haven't. You're only kidding yourselves. And that's why the church has no impact in our nation. Because we've, we've painted the targets ourselves. And we've missed the mark, as Paul says in Romans. Fallen short. We don't need to fall short. Heaven steered you on. <laughs> Heaven wants you to succeed. Because when you succeed, his kingdom succeeds. Father, we have heard your word this morning. We, be, we, we believe it's been from you. We believe you're calling your people back to your kingdom agenda. Thank you so much for Christ. Thank you so much for your beloved son. Thank you so much that you've saw it fit that we can be entangled with him. We can be linked eternally with him. Not in a day to come, but now. Help us to realize that we've been made this kindness creation. This new creation. That the old has no more legal rights than us. Spirit, I'm just asking you to just minister to us in these closing moments. We know you've been here all the time we've been here, but I'm just asking you for a special sense of your presence on every one of our lives this morning that allows us to draw this line in the sand and realise that our lives have lived upward and we break all control with the enemy this morning that we keep drawing us downward to you we give the glory to you we give the glory that you ever reached down and touched us oh God we humbly bow before you and we thank you for the depths of our hearts that you loved us you energised us together with Christ you raised us together with Christ you seated us together with Christ in heavenly realms, nothing can separate us, us from him. Do with this morning as you see fit. In Jesus' name. Amen.